All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Can you hear me? <laughs> Amen. Brother Alex usually plays the guitar, but his guitar hand is uh, incapacitated right now. And so he did a great job a cappella. A cappella is hard to do, I'll tell you that. It's easy for me because I can't follow music. But anyway, uh, thank the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, good to have each one of you here. And a good prayer meeting. Um, it's, it's like old times, taking our time praying. And I just thank the Lord for you. And I want you to pray that God would continue to bless our seniors. Wasn't that a great service Sunday night? I tell you what, felt the presence of God. Tremendous message. And young people, I want you to uh, appreciate your youth pastor. He's still here. He's still here. That says a lot. He's still here. Uh, a lot of times we overlook faithfulness. He's been here 20 years uh, serving full time. And a lot of times we forget uh, to recognize people's faithfulness. Uh, there's a lot of moving around in the ministry. Average pastor stays 3.5 years, I heard. It's probably down to about one year now. And um, thank the Lord for faithfulness, and uh, he's still here. I appreciate him, and I uh, appreciate my son working with me all these years. And then when I'm ready to pass on, he can just take over as far as I'm concerned. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, uh, this is my last message well, that sounds really fatal. Amen. This is my last message in the series on uh, Wednesday night on measuring your life uh, or evaluating your life in God's perspective. I've never went through a topical series in my life. It's always been through books and through chapters, verse by verse, the way I like to preach. But I have really been blessed uh, by this um, uh, series. We start out with you measure your life by love. If you don't have love, you're nothing. Zero, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. And then we went into you measure your life by humility. That means you can't live it and you cannot be effective unless you realize that only God can do it. Amen? What a good message, Clark. God bless you. I appreciate that message. And uh, then I went on and preached uh, several other messages on you measure your life by your prayer life, communion, and intercession. You measure your life by your obedience. That's one key word in the Christian life, and it's synonymous with yielding. Uh, you measure your life by what else? Um, your guidance, how you're guided by the Spirit of God, the filling of the Holy Spirit, lit, leading of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, your words was one week, your thoughts another week. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. A penny for your thought. What do you think about when you're in the shower? Getting out? No. How many hairs going down the drain? No. You, you, you think about what's your God's, and you think about what you want to do, and we ought to be thinking about the Lord all the time. His thoughts should be continually in our hearts. And then, of course, uh, we, need to, we need to measure our life by our vision. I left out several. We did, we've done 11 weeks. Uh, and, um, you know, your life is no greater than your vision. And it's a vision that awakens you, uh, your sleeping powers, and your vision that transforms startling facts into a, to a challenge. It's vision that galvanizes your potential into action. Um, it seizes opportunities. It propels you uh, through uh, life's trials and trouble if you have a vision. I'll define vision in a minute. Uh, if you have a vision, I mean a scriptural spiritual vision. I'm not talking about dreams and all that junk. But I'm talking about a scriptural vision uh, you will not waste your life, and you won't miss the privileges 
and the honors of sanctifying your life for the service of the Lord. Uh, your vision will keep you from drifting. You have a vision. And that means goal, drive, desire. Uh, without vision, your life will not impact your world. Uh, you will never become a person God created you to be unless you have a vision. And that, that'll be a vision of a worldwide uh, endeavor of reaching souls. And so I want to I preach just a few minutes, and I've always wanted to do that. And uh, it won't be 10, but I hope it'll be about 30 because I want you to, uh, I know we don't have a nursery, but we do have a TV in the nursery, I found out. I didn't even know that, uh, that has the service on it. So if you moms get really uh, restless, just send your kids back there and let them watch TV. No, they, you can watch the service. That's the overflow ring. During Awesome Preaching in August, Dr. Clayton Shumper has been preaching over 56 years, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people here. Uh, we'll have two overflow rooms, one in the nursery for the children and the moms, and then, of course, the glory class will be an overflow room. And we're encouraging people to watch online, of course. But uh, I want you to turn, uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and in honor of God's word, I want you to stand, and let's read. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, folks, in the midst of tragedy, it'll drive you either to your knees or drive you to your greeds. It'll either unite you or it'll divide you. I hope this virus does not divide us. I hope it unites us. We ought to be closer to God and closer to each other than we've ever been before. Say amen right there. And there's a lot of churches that are closing the doors, I found out today. I mean, flat, just closing their doors because it's so bad. They're down to two or three people because of this pandemic. Thank God for your faithfulness. So there was a tragedy, but through this tragedy in Isaiah's life, there was a blessing. He saw the Lord. Look at verse 2. And above it stood the seraphims, each one with wings, uh, six wings, twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy. We need to get back to that, don't we? Is, is the Lord of hosts. Powerful name. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, here's a response to a real vision. Woe is me. For I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the uh, midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken from the thongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. And I heard a voice um, of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I want to tell you something, a real scriptural vision will move you to the Great Commission. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good attendance tonight. It looks good to me just to have anybody here after having so many weeks with no one here except the media team. And God, I thank you for our visiting missionaries. I pray that you bless the housers, help them to get on this needy field. Uh, Lord, so many churches dying with religion. They need the Lord and they need you. And I pray, God, you'd use them. And thank you for Clark. Thank you for his uh, boldness and courage to get up here. It's not easy. And I thank you, dear God, uh, for him being obedient to the word that you gave him to preach it. Now, Lord, please help us to end this series 
uh, where we started this year, having a greater vision of thee, a greater vision in 2020. Lord, we didn't know it was going to take all this stuff to give us a greater vision, but God forbid that we'd go through all this virus and all this violence and all this um, uh, vicious attack against our liberty uh, for nothing. God, help us to draw nigh to you. You said you'd draw nigh to us. Lord, help us to see you high, lifted up, holy, and able to do exactly your will through our life. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what is a God-given vision? Uh, what is a God-given vision? And I came up with a few things, and I tried to alliterate it, so uh, I'm going to give it to you. Number one, it's not nearsighted. Uh, God, a God-given vision is not nearsighted. He'll always call you to be, a, a, be a, a person that wants to touch the world, a worldwide vision. Uh, folks, a lot of people have such narrow visions. They think that all they need to do is reach their neighborhood. Well, that's great. You ought to. You ought to start there and uh, your community. But folks, I want to tell you something. The vision God gives you, us is the whole world needs Jesus. And I want to tell you something. Through your prayers, you touch the world. Can you, can you just get a hold of that? You touch the world. When I was associate pastor down in Claxton, Brother Steve, sometimes I'd just barge into my pastor's office, which I learned not to do, and I'd find him with a, 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 a rug, a, a, a banner of, a, of the world's map on the floor, and he'd be laying on that world map weeping for the world. And I thought to myself after I slipped out because it was holy ground, that my preacher, my pastor, touches the world through his prayers. And I tell you what, he did, and thank God for him. And then, you know, a, a God-given prayer is not narcissistic. Now, I had to look that word up and make sure I was right on that. But, folks, that means self-centered, you know, just, just self-serving. It's always about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. And, folks, a lot of people are so narcissistic. I mean, even the ministry, it's all about them. You ever seen... Uh, preachers and prophets and potentates and apostles on I mean it's just a show of flesh amen God's not exalted they're exalted folks a vision is not how good you can get how high you can get how famous you can get how powerful you can get or how rich you can get it's how we can bring glory to God your vision ought to bring glory to God and then I want to tell you another, another thing third of all your vision is not nonsense it's not natural. Um, you know, some people have some weird visions. A lady one time, you got to know her. She was one of the founding members of our church, and she used to come to the storefront, and uh, then she came to the house first, then the storefront some 42 years ago. And um, she's a little eccentric, a little unusual. One time she called me up and said, Brother Wayne, I got a problem. I said, what is it? She said, last night I had this vision of this monster had green eyes, teeth about five inches long, and I had thorns and and and, and uh, arrows pointing all out of it, and it was just it was just it was just a terrible monster of a vision. It was a vision from God, and she, I said, um, she said, uh, Brother Wayne, what do you think that means? Well, I was in one of my little moods, and I said, Well, I'm going to tell you what it means, Mary. If you see it, run. Amen. And uh, she didn't like that because she really wanted interpret interpretation of the dream. 
Folks, I'm not an interpreter of dream. I'm a preacher of the word, say amen. We don't go by vision. Matter of fact, if you want that kind of vision, go to Burger King about 1130, get two Whoppers and onion rings, and you will have that kind of vision. But that's not God, amen. Uh, folks, that's natural. That's a, that's hallucination. That's wild, you know, and everybody's looking for visions. Folks, here's all the vision you need. The word of God, say amen. From Genesis to Revelation, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. From Genesis to Revelation, it's God's story. We ought to see God in every chapter. We ought to see Jesus in every chapter, not looking for some nonsense. And then um, uh, it's not sensationalism, but it's biblical. And so it's not naive and it's not natural. Uh, it's spiritual. God will give you a vision as you read the word of God and folks, if it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. Say amen right there. Everybody's looking for this extraterrestrial spiritual experience. And I've witnessed the several charismatics in my time, and they always say, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I experience. Well, I care what the Bible says, amen. And it's all that counts is what the Bible says because your mind can play tricks on you. By the way, the devil can give you visions. The devil can give you wild imaginations. The Bible says we ought to bring them all into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. How can you be obedient to Christ if you're not God scripturally, spiritually centered? So it's not natural, it's not naive. Folks, a God-given vision opens your eyes to see through God's eyes. Oh, to see this world through God's eyes. Amen? Oh, to see tribulation through God's eyes. God, to see people through God's eyes, to see the world through God's eyes. The revelation of God will change your life. I mean, you need to see the Lord. And in, in our theme this year, little did I know all this was going on, and you didn't know it either. I sure didn't know it. I should have got a vision of it, amen, but I didn't, amen. But I'll tell you this, I never thought that we'd go through this. I thought this was going to be a two-week thing. I really did. I said, well, we'll shut it down for two weeks. We'll be all right. It's been Four months. I'm sick of it, aren't you? Let's just whine together a little bit, praise God. You know, let's just complain a little bit. No, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to say this, friend. God wants us to see him over this, uh, uh, not under it. He don't want us to see uh, our circumstances and our problems. He wants us to see him who is over everything and every problem in our life. Turn to Job. Uh, chapter 42. You know what Job went through. I'm not going to rehearse that. I'm going to try to be brief tonight. But the Bible says that he's summing all this up and he said this in verse, uh, verse 5 and 6 of Job 42. He sums up all that he's been through. And he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Through trials and tribulation, Job did not start hating God. He hated his sin. He never stopped worshiping the Lord. Folks, this is what we need as a God-given vision. We need worship. We need to worship God as God Almighty. Amen. He's Lord. He's Master. He's Sovereign. He's over all. God wants you to see beyond the visible. The stark reality is this. Uh, folks, the visible is going to fade away. It's temporal. But praise God, eternity will have Christ. 
for eternity will have God. The visible may fill our horizon and duties and limitations and problems will be there, but there is a greater reality and his name is God. A greater vision in 2020. I thought since we had 2020, this would be a great little theme, vision. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. God got in this theme and I wanna tell you something. You best see God during this time. You must get a greater vision of God. God wants you to lift your horizons to show a new vista of what he can do and who he is. We're not living in denial. We're not denying the present challenges and the problems. And, and, and you know, when people sent me videos, you would not believe all the videos I've received on this viewpoint and that viewpoint. And I'm in the crossfire and, uh, I'm, I, you know, that's what pastoring's all about. And folks, I, I, I don't understand all this and I can't figure all this out and I don't know uh, what's going on as far as um, uh, what's, you know, what, what the uh, uh, future holds, but I know this, God holds the future and God knows and so I gotta trust God, say amen, and not myself uh, during this time. And I want you to know, friend, that God Almighty has a vision for us that we ought to be greater Christians as results of our tribulation and we can we can be like Job and say I heard about him but now I know him now I know him and I, he knows me and he knows the way that I take and so folks a vision is faith that was one week no I, I didn't got to that yet I'm gonna do that on Sunday night folks you're measured by your faith according to your faith be it unto you and folks I want to tell you something a vision is a is is the results of having great faith that God is still in control, that he is still on the throne. Choir, that's not just a song. He is on the throne, amen? And he is in control. And folks, I wanna tell you what the vision is. It's getting a hold of what God wants to do through your life. Uh, William Booth was converted at the age of 15. And within six hours, he was going out into the slum houses, witnessing to the poor, he worked from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and found time to bless others. And he would stand on a box now. He'd stand on a box in the worst quarters in Nottingham, England. And he'd tell simple stories of, um, of how Jesus could save them to this motley crew that would gather around him. And every spare hour, he was reading the Bible uh, and books by Wesley, Whitfield, that our county was named after, amen, and Finney. And he called a vision. He called a great vision. Now, I know we don't doctrinally line up with the Salvation Army, but I want to tell you something. When Booth was 20, he began to preach to the social outcast in the neglected district of London, Brother Hauser, and he wept for the drunkard and the other enslaved by sin. And God gave him such a vision for the poor and needy that after his marriage, he dedicated himself, his wife, and his children to the poor and needy and their hell. William Booth believed in holiness and helpfulness. His co-workers had a, uh, had a holiness service every Sunday morning to, to just get right with God. And every evening, uh, they, would, they would have an evangelistic service. That's what the independent Baptists used to do. Every Sunday night was a great evangelistic thrust. Um, and uh, every Sunday evening, uh, they were among the needy during the week and the vision was burned in his heart as a teenager, still burned in his heart at the age of 83. 
uh, he, uh, he, he said, promise me, he begged his son, to care for the homeless. Then he added, I am not thinking of this country only, but the homeless of all lands. He had a vision. And Booth was true to his vision. And today, the Salvation Army, with its ministries of salvation, uplifting ministers, in 90, they minister in 91 nations of the world. There are more than 25,000 Salvation Army officers, ordained ministers, serving in 125 languages. More than 500,000 children are enrolled in their Sunday schools. And over the years, hundreds of thousands have been won to Christ and millions have been helped in their time of need. Booth caught a vision. And folks, that vision revolutionized his life and praise God, folks, I wanna tell you something. Uh, we need a vision. We need a vision that will move us. Uh, we need a vision that'll stir us. We need a vision that um, will get a hold of us and that we can uh, not get away with uh, from. Uh, second of all, I want you to notice tonight, we need to get a vision of God that God is God. The first place to start is you need a vision of who God is. Not what he can do for you. He's not Santa Claus. He's God, and I want to tell you something. He will do much more for you and through you than you could ever imagine, but you've got to believe that God's going to use you. Amen? And folks, don't measure him by uh, your problems. Measure your problems by God. Amen? Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 37 says, we're more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens us. Thank God, folks. We need a vision of a big God. How big is your God? How big is your God? Um, Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8, talks about him being high and lifted up. And in the days, the king, uh, the, the stronger and more powerful, and more majestic he was, had a long train. Now, children, that's not a train like you catch at the railroad track. It's a, it's a train of the robe. And the Bible says his robe filled the whole temple. And folks, uh, listen, he had seraphims that were circling around him. And I'll get to these verses in just a minute, Lord willing. And folks, listen, we got to realize this. God wants us to trust him totally with all that we have and all that we should be and all that we're going to be. We need to trust God uh, in a special way tonight. We need to trust him to do more through us than we've ever uh, fathomed. George Mueller was led by the Spirit to make glorifying God his vision. Every morning, he said, I made myself happy in the Lord before I could be helpful. And in 1835, he felt that the best way to do that was to found an orphan house, home. And based on the principles uh, that he would never ask a human being for funds. Now get this, what a vision. He never let the public know what, he, what his needs were, never. And he would visibly prove that, that God answers prayer. This was his vision, that God would provide, that Je Jehovah Jireh is Jehovah Jireh, that he is able, that he is here, and that he will provide. And step by step, Mueller's faith increased, and his vision increased. And God increased the fulfillment of his vision. He brought glory to God in many ways. He cared for over 10,000 orphans. Did you hear me? You think you got a big family. I thought when I had twins on my birthday, name them stopping no more. No, Stephen and Stephanie, they all graduated from Crown, brother. And um, I thought, my word, how am I going to handle this? Thank God I had a wife. <laughs> 
Amen. I even started changing diapers when we had the twins. Amen. I, you said, what'd you do with the first two? I tried. But I'll tell you what, friend. Uh, my family doubled in one, one night. And I thought, boy, mercy, how am I going to handle this? Can I handle this? Well, here's a man that handled 10,000 orphans. Uh, before he died, uh, he, there was 10,000 different people that went through his orphanages. And often he trusts God for, for one day's food at a time. Get this now. At times he'd call his co-workers to pray twice a day to pray in food for the next meal. And always the orphans had wholesome meals. Hundreds of times, uh, neither money nor food was available for the next meal. And yet just in time, God supplied some amazing ways. Uh, only twice was the meal delayed, and each of these times, it was, it was only a half hour late. He prayed it in. A.T. Pearson, the great um, uh, writer of past and preacher, spent the night with uh, Mr. Mueller, and just before they retired, Mueller asked Dr. Pearson to join him in prayer because they had nothing on hand for the children's breakfast. They had hundreds in this, uh, orphan, this particular orphanage. And the stores were already closed. In the middle of the night, God awakened a caring person who was able to make arrangements for the delivery of food the first thing in the morning. 2,000 orphans had their breakfast on time. And neither George Mueller nor any of the staff spoke of the need to anyone. In fact, so much food arrived, they were all well supplied for one solid month from that one prayer. For the last 17 years of his life, after the age of 65, he felt called to an international ministry. He traveled over 200,000 miles, ministered in 42 nations, and, and this is after he retired, and spoke nearly 6,000 times, preaching to some 3 million people. Mueller circulated 2 million Bibles or scripture portions, 3 million other books and tracts, and gave $1,300,000 to support missions. He personally gave it because he prayed it all in including support for 115 missionaries in various countries around the world. He never let his need be known to anyone but God, and yet the prayer he prayed in, 7,500,000 pounds. That's a lot of money. Back then, it's a whole lot of money. For God's work, an additional 400,000 that was given to him for his own personal use, which he then invested in God's work. He lived humbly and simply and when he died, the total assets of his possession was $800. He had a vision. He had a vision of saying this, I'm going to take care of thousands of orphans, and I'm not going to tell anybody what I need. I'm just going to pray to God, and God's going to provide. And he did. Now, folks, we're talking about a vision. But we're talking about a vision of faith. We're talking about a vision of uh, that a that a God, there is a God that is able, that he will provide, and I'll tell you this, he will protect. You know, a lot of people are losing their vision of God. They got a vision of, of President Trump. Uh, God help us, they got a vision of Vice President Biden. They got a vision of Nancy Pelosi. God help them. Uh, they got a vision of this doctor and this doctor and this expert and this expert, and it's totally confusing, isn't it? I mean, great day. Uh, I, I'm not going to waste time preaching on uh, mass or against mass. I'm going to preach the gospel. 
But I want to tell you this, friend. Uh, we're trusting the wrong people during this pandemic. We need to trust God. We need to believe God. You say, well, if you believe God, you wouldn't have any restrictions. Hey, mind your own business. I'm going to tell you something. God's called me to protect this flock, and I'm going to do it to the best of my knowledge. Amen. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's why we're independent Baptists. Each church operates different. You don't um, understand it all? I don't either. <laughs> Praise God. You don't think I'm, fru I'm frustrated more than you frustrated. I guarantee you that. I have to put up with all the complaints and all and both sides. The Democrats even call me up lately. But I want to tell you, friend, God help us to realize it's more than a political move. It's more than a ploy to earn our freedom. It's more than a, a ploy. It's God's will that we go through this or it wouldn't be happening. He's a sovereign God. And folks, it ought to increase our faith. We ought to be witnessing more. We ought to find ways to soul win, like Brother Clark said. We ought to find ways uh, to be a witness, not throw in the towel. Praise God. We ought to go out more than ever. Uh, we ought to call more. We ought to use the phone. We ought to use the internet. We ought to use all the means we have to reach people with the gospel because people are afraid to die, and many are dying. The last time I checked, over 500,000 people died. And it's real to them, and it's real to their families. We need a vision. We need a vision that God's able. Turn real quick to 2 uh, Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Didn't we have a wonderful service tonight? Amen? Uh, before I got up here. But look, look at this, 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want you to look, you know the story. But look at verse 13. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. And I'll try to wrap this up. And he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And he was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Elijah is at Dothan. And therefore he sent he hither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city around. I mean, they were outnumbered totally. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, listen to this, and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, At last, my master, how shall we do? And a lot of people are panicking during this pandemic. How are we going to make it? How shall we do? Well, I'll tell you how we're going to make it. Look at verse 16. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And he didn't believe it. And then Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the Lord, the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. He saw the host of the Lord. He saw the armies of God. He saw there was more for them than more that was against them. He saw God is able and God is over all. We need a vision of who God is. Number two, we need a vision of his love for us. Folks, listen. He, desert, he desires to show his greatness, but also he's, he desires to show his love and his wisdom to you. Folks, listen. We ought to pray every day for love and wisdom. We ought to pray for wisdom. We ought to pray for love because without love, we're just a smart-sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The Bible says we're nothing. 
1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 6. Seven great attributes of a man of God. Then it says minus love, you are zero. So seven minus one, zero. And that minus one is the is love of God. Well, he wants us to, he wants us to go, uh, he wants he wants to go with you in love to your tomorrow. He wants you to be effective and fruitful because he loves you. He will empower you and fill you with his love. He, he listen, I'm gonna tell you something. Um, you know, the Bible says in Romans 8:31 that if God be for us, who can be against us? And that you know that he's with us and we, that, you know, his love is enough. We ought to fall in love with God, but every day we ought to get a vision of Calvary, how much he loved, He loves us, and how much he's interceding on the right hand of God for us, and that he loves us. And folks, he wants to go through uh, all our trials like a heavenly father should and would, like a father and a son that goes through a difficult time. He'll empower you and fill you with love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. He, he, he wants you to see opportunities to love others. He wants you to see opportunities um, uh, that there's a world that's hurting. Aren't you glad Booth didn't sit in a booth? Aren't you glad Mueller didn't say, well, let the whole world go to hell and, and uh, uh, nobody cares and I don't care? No, he put feet on his prayers and praise God, he stepped out by faith because he had a vision of who God is. It'll change your prayer life. Number three, real quick, we need to get a vision of how God can love this world through you. How God can love this world through you. He can give you a prayer burden for people you've never met. You never will meet. You probably never will meet till you get to heaven. He'll give you a burden. He'll give you a burden through prayer. When my daughter and son-in-law uh, surrendered to the mission field of South Africa, I really didn't have a burden for the South Africans like I should. But through their heartbeat and through their lives and through their surrender and through their sacrifice, I've got a burden for those people. And I've been over there several times preaching and, and uh, teaching. I'll never get the time that um, I preached in Brother Kevin's church and uh, then I preached in three other churches before I got to Brother Kevin's church. I mean, I was at sweat though and sweating and there was no air conditioning. And I said, man, this is the fourth time I preached. And I said, I'm about to die. It was only a few years ago when I was 60-something. Uh, and uh, I still am 60-something. But uh, uh, and then I said, okay, praise God, the 11 o'clock service is over. Let's go to lunch. And Brother Mark, the slave driver, said this. He said, Brother Wayne, uh, we have college now. And uh, there will be about 11 or 12 pastors coming in just a minute to meet it. Uh, the church, and we're all going to sit around the table, and you're going to teach them for an hour. I said, then we're going to eat? He said, yeah, we'll eat then. I said, okay, praise God. I about killed me. That's why I only go every other year. I couldn't go every year. I'd be dead. But you know, listen, uh, he leads you to sacrifice and invest your time, your talents, your treasures to reach the lost when you see this world in God's eyes. It's a vision. Most people got a vision of themselves. They, got, they wake up every morning saying, how can I get ahead? How can I climb the corporate ladder? How can I get rich? I, I knew a friend, uh, God bless him, he was one of his first organist we ever had. He was a state trooper, and he lived to get rich. He was about the poorest guy I've ever met. He didn't have nothing. I don't know why he kept on dreaming he was going to be rich. 
And I one time I said, Rick, I'm going to tell you something, friend. I've never seen a U-Haulet behind a hearse yet. You can't take it with you. I was just, you know, being real deep and spiritual. And he said, well, you sure can plan to, can't you? I said, no. I said, you can't take it with you. And I was in South Africa when he died. And so help me, Rick had his son get a truck and a U-Hauler and follow the casket all the way through Chattanooga to the cemetery. And he said, I'm doing this for Brother Wayne because he said he'd never seen a U-Hauler behind her. If they hadn't put it on Channel 12, I'd have not seen it to this day. But I have seen one U-Hauler behind a hearse. But you can't take it with you. And folks, if you live for these mundane trinkets called riches of this world, you're going to be sadly disappointed at the judgment seat of Christ. We need, to get a, we need to get a vision. We need to let God grip our hearts. And, get, and we'll have new meaning, a new purpose, and a new calling, and a new, a new energy in our step. We need to see God unfold new dimensions in our life through a vision. What is your vision? Most people, their vision in America is to get rich, have a family, Folks, without Jesus, none of that's going to be fulfilling. Fourthly, you get a vision uh, to the ways God can transform your moments, your love, your prayers, and your obedience into eternal rewards. Let me just say this. When you get a God-given vision, your day takes on a whole new life. Hey, when you have a God-given vision, you don't live for the nasty now and now. You live for the sweet by and by. And folks, listen, eternity, eternity. You know the story of the man that wrote eternity all over Sydney, Australia, and they flashed that eternity sign on that bridge in the year 2000 when everybody thought Y2K was going to destroy the world. Remember that? I mean, that was a real crisis. All the computers were going to shut down. We're all going to starve to death. And some of you might have had those uh, bomb shelters with water and food in it because you thought the world was going to fall apart. That's the craziest thing i ever heard of. And I want to tell you this, friend. That young man... Our older man, he wrote all over Sydney, Australia, the word eternity, and then they flashed it on the screen, and Australia was the first one that where midnight took place, and the whole world saw that word on that bridge over Sydney Harbor. Eternity. Eternity. One man. The whole world saw the word eternity. On New Year's Eve, on, on, the, on, on the new year of 2000, eternity. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We need a vision of eternity. Only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days, for it's the only life that pays when you recall you have but one life. Why invest in 80 years when you're going to live millions? You're going to live somewhere for eternity. We need a vision. We need a vision. Folks, how important eternity is compared to this little earth. And then last but not least, we need a vision of how Important souls are to God. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? You know what the Bible says? The whole world's worth one soul. In that mathematical equation. A vision of how he longs to bless and save the people of the whole world. You look to Calvary and you'll see his vision. Father, forgive them. And them was not just those Jews that were putting him on the cross. It was the whole world, whosoever will. A vision, a vision how God can touch the world through your love and prayer. A vision to measure your life by the vision of how 
you can make each day count for eternity. I want to say this, your whole day will change the moment you hand a gospel track out because you just brought eternity into the equation. Your whole day. If you got a vision of eternal hell and eternal heaven, you will have a pocket foot book, ladies, or you'll have a billfold full of tracks. And you'll have them in your front pocket. And folks, I want to tell you something. We really don't have a vision of eternity if we don't hand out tracks. We don't witness. So you need to get a scriptural, spiritual vision. Don't go up here and eat McDonald's tonight at 1130. You'll get a You'll get a vision, but it won't be the God-given vision. It won't be a scriptural vision. And folks, Isaiah, there was troublesome times. His king died. Uh, but he, he saw a tremendous throne. And he saw seraphims covering their face, exalting him, covering their feet, humility. And folks, they were ready to serve, and they cried, holy, holy, holy. And the post moved by his voice. And the seraphims would dare not take their hands off from their face because it wasn't about them. And they saw, Isaiah saw him high and lifted up. In the previous chapter, he said, woe is you, you drunks. Woe is you, you materialistic uh, country. Woe is you and woe is you. Six times he said, woe is you. But when he saw the Lord, he said, woe is me. And then, thank God, when he saw the Lord and saw a vision, he heard from the Lord. And he found out that God wanted to send him to be a great prophet. And he said, here am I, Lord, send me. I believe the results of a vision is service. You have God's approval. You have God's direction. You have God's power. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could be George Mueller. I don't think I got the capacity of it. And I know I couldn't be a booth and start all these thousands and thousands of churches. But I can have a vision personally of what God wants me to do. And I can get up tomorrow and realize that when I stop at that gas station on the way to Brazelton for that Macedonia Worldwide Mission Board that I don't know why we meet so much, um, and I battle the traffic, and I try to get through to the other side of Atlanta. Now, somewhere along the way, I ought to have a track. I ought to plant it in somebody's heart. And I ought to speak it, and I ought to smile, and I ought to realize today is the day of salvation for somebody, and I need to have a vision of eternal hell that they're going to go to if they don't get saved. I need to have a vision that the Word of God is enough to change anybody's life, so I'll hand out a track. I'll give a good word. I need to have a vision that the Lord wants to use me more than I would ever imagine. And I just need to trust God and stop being concerned about the vision of myself and get a vision of Him and what He wants to do through me. This, this 11 weeks that I preached on measuring yourself, well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. It comes down to this. You can't measure up but God sure can, and he's God. And he loves you, and he wants to use you, and he loves souls, and he wants to reach souls. And all you have to do is believe and yield. Father, use this message. God, I know it's been too long, and we usually don't stay here this long, but dear God, there's some reason 
you want us to end this series with the exhortation that we need a greater vision in 2020. We need to have more faith, more love, more obedience, more humility, more of a prayer life, all, more, be more obedient. But God, none of that's going to take place unless we see who we're being obedient to and who, who's called us, and who's equipped us. And God so help us to answer the question, how big is our God? Not how big is our faith, but how big is our God? And Lord, we don't need big faith. We need faith in a big God. And so Lord, help us to see you high and lifted up and help, you, help us to see you resurrected, ascended, and coming again. And Lord, help us to take our little life and die to self and let you be who you are through us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, here's the invitation. We'll be very brief. How many want a greater vision of God? And how many want to have a greater vision of what God could do through your life? Would you raise your hand for prayer tonight? All over this place. Father, in Jesus' name, increase our vision of you. And God, help us, Lord. Help us, dear God, to see you high and lifted up. And then hear from you and then yield to you with all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.